A reading from the Gospel according to John, the third chapter, beginning with the 14th verse. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Those who believe in Him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The Word of God for us the people of God. Thanks be to God. You ever seen a John 3.14 poster at a football game? Anybody? Somebody nodding. He ain't seen no John 3.14 poster. You've seen a John 3.16 poster. <laughs> Nobody ever puts John 3.14 on a poster at a football game because people just gloss over that thing because we want to get to the good one, Right? the one that we were taught in Sunday school, the one that our mother taught us and our grandmother taught us. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Him, for God so loved the world. But that snake is in there. You can't ignore the snake. The snake is important. Now you can see it on the screen. The snake is important. The snake bears witness to exactly what Jesus is trying to say based in the history of His people, the people of Israel. Now, the last time I mentioned this movie, people here said they had never seen it. And I cannot imagine how people have never seen Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments movie. I know right now, if you have Amazon Prime, you can go home today, sit in your recliner, pop that thing up on Amazon Prime and watch it free. And you ought to. Because it's been a long time since a movie that good was made. Now, if you think it's dorky and dumb, don't call me and tell me you wasted three hours of my life. There is an intermission. But that movie chronicles the story of how Israel was captured in Egypt. After Joseph had come into favor, one of the sons of, of Israel had come into favor and there was a new, a, new, a new pharaoh came into kingship and he did not know Joseph and he decided, hey, look at all those Hebrew people. I can use them to build bricks and make stuff. And so he enslaved them and they were enslaved for some 400 years and then Moses, as you'll see in the movie, was rescued because pharaoh decided there were too many of them and maybe we should kill some of them to keep them in their place. So he decreed that all of the young newborns up to two years old should be killed. 
And Moses' mother put him in a basket, floated him out into the Nile, and he was found by someone in the court of Pharaoh and raised as a prince of Egypt. That's another movie you can watch to get a hold of the story. And so, Moses is sent back to rescue the people after Moses one day, having learned that he's Hebrew, sees a Hebrew slave being mistreated and kills the guard. And he's afraid of being killed by Pharaoh or punished by Pharaoh, so he leaves and runs away. He meets some people out at a well out in the desert, becomes a shepherd, marries the girl. His father-in-law is a good guy, takes care of him and all this kind of stuff. He grows in wealth and sheep. And one day he's out in the desert and he hears someone calling his name. That ringing a bell? He goes to the bush and learns that it's God talking to him out of a bush that looks like it's burning, but it's really not burning. And God says, I have heard the cry of my people. I am sending you to Egypt to lead them out of bondage. And Moses eventually goes. And as the story goes, they eventually cross the Reed Sea. They've emerged into an area that they're outside of Pharaoh's reach. And they start grumbling. Don't you know that's how it is when people get something good in their life? It doesn't take them long to start whining again, does it? Grumbling comes for all of us on the other side of blessings because we think no matter what, we deserve more in the world. But that's beside the fact. So they start grumbling against God and against Moses and that starts a pattern. And the next thing you know, they're wandering in the desert for 40 years. And at one point, the grumbling gets so bad that God sends snakes into their midst. Some people think it might have been guinea worms. They look like a snake when they come out of your foot. You can Google that. I'm not putting a picture of that up. It was, it was rough just to see it. There's also a little viper in that area that lays on top of the sand and vibrates itself and it sinks down into the sand. Isn't that terrifying? You'd never be able to see that joker walking through the desert in sandals. No snake boots at the time. But the story says that God sent snakes into their midst. I want to read that to you from Numbers 21, part of the Scriptures. This is what Jesus was referencing when He said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. You ready for it? Somebody say yeah. yeah. All right. I like it when Christians want to hear the Bible. From Mount Or, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, but the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. They were talking about the manna, which means what is this stuff? That's what the manhu in Hebrew means. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We've sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. 
I think that what Jesus wants to call our attention to is that this is foreshadowing for what God was going to do about sin. Just another serpent that bites people, but not just another, maybe the greatest of all. The product of a serpent's whisper at the base of a tree that called humanity and caught them into sin and death. And so God instructs Moses to make a symbol of what was affecting the people. Can you imagine? The snakes are biting them. And Moses lifts up a snake and said, well, if you look at it, God says you will live. Seems absurd, doesn't it? Seems like foolishness. Sounds a little bit like what Paul told us last week, that the way of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. The message, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. I can just imagine some of those people, they only had two choices. You get bit, you die. You get bit, you live. What's the difference? You look at the pole and the serpent on the pole and remember God's promise that if you look at the serpent on the pole, you'll live. Two options. Die, live. All contingent on whether or not they trusted God's promise that the serpent on a pole was a sign of. But I can imagine some saying, Moses, that's stupid. What happened to them? Anybody want to guess? They died. But humans are like that. We're obstinate. We will step back and look at something and say, that can't be the way to salvation. That's too easy. I remember some of us, Moses, couldn't God just make the snakes disappear? I'm not going to go with this. I'm not going to believe this. I'm gonna, I want to see God make the snakes disappear. And we moderns would say the same thing. Why can't God just make the world suddenly be free from sin? But somehow it has a parallel to here. And it's because God wants us to trust Him and not what God has done for us. If God just makes the snakes go away, there's no change in behavior. That's been proven over and over and over in the desert. And so God chooses not to just make sin away, and instead, God lifts His own Son on a pole. And Paul tells us some fascinating things about that. In 2 Corinthians, anybody want to hear more of the Bible? Yeah. All right. See, that's good. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 6, 1. If anyone in Christ is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away and everything has become new. All this is God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since Christ is making His appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, and then listen closely here. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul is saying that when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, Jesus became a symbol Himself of what was affecting us and dragging us into death and hell. And Peter goes even farther in his letter in 1 Peter 2, 22-25. Y'all want to hear that? He committed no sin and no deceit was found in His mouth. When He was abused, He did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself 
bore our sins in His body on the cross so that free from sins we might live for righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. Did you hear that? He Himself bore His sins, became a representation of us, and died our death. And it was your sin and my sin that was lifted up on the cross to demonstrate the absurdity of sin. To show us that it only leads to death. And so, Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And then comes John 3.16. For God so loved the world. The greater reason that God lifted the snake up before the people of Israel in the desert is that God loved them. The greater reason that God lifts up His own Son who has borne our sins in His own body on a cross is that God loves us. And the so there doesn't mean that God loves us so much. It means that thusly God loved us. God loved us in this way. It means that the cross is a demonstration of God's love. That just as Moses loved the people enough to listen to God and raise the snake, God has raised His Son on a cross before us because God loves us and is loving us in that way. The crucifixion is the way that God has loved us. Do you see that? you see the connection? Do you see why the snake matters? It shows us a little bit of what is happening here. The just as means in like manner. Jesus is saying, I'm something like the snake that Moses raised up. And when you look upon Me, you will remember the Lord's promise. You will remember God's promise that if you look upon Me and believe, you will not die, but you will live. Even though you are bitten by sin and death. Even though you are trapped in things that you don't understand. Even though you're enslaved to some addiction. Even though you're enslaved to some kind of oppression or frustration or some sense that you don't matter to anyone in the world. God says, even though I lift up my son to tell you differently, you matter. And this is how much. And you can be free if you will trust my promise and look to my son and believe. How many times I've heard some smart aleck say, Why would a loving God send people to hell? Remember when I told you that when the Israelites were bitten, they had two choices? So does humanity. We can walk around bitten by sin and die and refuse to look to the cross and the Christ who hangs on it. Or we can look to the Christ who died for us and live. That's a pretty simple no-brainer for me. But it requires that we trust the promise of God, doesn't it? If we don't believe that God is good, somebody, somebody kept it with me. If we don't believe that God is good, 
how can we believe that God would love us and save us? But if we do believe that God is good, then there's a promise set before us. The Son of God lifted high on a cross to remind us that the penalty for sin has been paid, that the absurdity of sin has been demonstrated, that a way has been opened through faith that we can look upon Him and live. I hope you make the right choice. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.